Hey. Hey, has anyone seen Tristan? Tristan? Who's that? Oh, oh. Is that hey, Tristan everyone. or is that an imposter? It looks like I'm him. Back. How dare you? How dare you accuse me of not being myself? He looks this like the same exact. Looks little, is it a haircut? I don't know. Last week. <laughs> he looks like Tristan. He's got the knowledge of Tristan. He's definitely you. In fact, Tristan. Nah. We we like Something's the movie. Off about him. We like the movie Dirty Pretty Things. Is that what we bonded over, Corey? I don't know. Sounds like he oh, might no. be trying to rip you off. He's a pod person. Anya, and you were beast Anya wars. Something. Yeah. Uh, no. No, Jeff, I'm not into any like such thing. We were I'm not some guys. nerd. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking at the heartstrings and the memory strings here. No, I'm definitely myself. How would I not be myself? I don't know. How am I not myself? Anyway. He's a bearded doppelganger. We're here to talk about a podcast, right? <laughs> talk about movies from the 90s? We're actually here for a PSA. About identity theft. Yeah, about identity <laughs> yeah. theft. Well, late fraud. we picked the, the best possible movie to talk about for uh, February 1993. <laughs> we saw the film Summersby, yeah. which is about identity theft in the films. It's definitely not yeah. me. I'm definitely Tristan. Remember, identity theft is okay if it's for love. <laughs> yeah, right. And for the benefit of yeah. the whole town. Jimmy, are you going to accept my love yeah. now that I'm back? Oh, in, hey. Uh... Well, he's no, not even Jimmy anymore. He's no. Jimbo. Oh, yeah, I'm Jimbo. I'm the yes, real imposter. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. So, yeah, we, uh, <laughs> like I said, we watched the movie Summersby, which I'm sure everyone remembers that's watching oh, yeah. this. Uh, I definitely knew other films that were coming out this month, but I completely have no knowledge of this when we uh when we went through the year Corey and i to surprisingly it was a box office bonanza yeah it made what like 120 yeah worldwide that's uh that's for back then adjusted probably over three right and it immediately disappeared yeah in coming out in february right where there's a dearth of films uh quality films. i guess for valentine's day that probably capitalize on that which is weird because this love is insincere in her stats <laughs> yeah it's um sincerely well insincere. the love is circumstantial and desperate it's probably time. that this is the only choice out in theaters for valentine's day so that's yeah. why it made money mm-hmm. that's but, true yeah uh well, if you're forced so, to see a richard gear movie or nothing you know yeah i mean honestly that's i think the biggest reason it made any money like let's put together the the biggest star of the recent years the star pretty woman whose bankability in romantic films is yeah at a high and put him with the star and recent two-time oscar winner jodie foster who also is probably bankable in romantic things Right, uh, so yeah. it, it makes sense on paper, and the, I think I, I think the, 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 I think they were testing the waters with her uh, bankability on her uh, romance on this one. To be honest, well, like she's, she's we'll get into that. that. Listen, she's a little dry. <laughs> yeah, she's supposed to be a so. Well, what's lady. uh, what's the plot? But yeah, let's do that. Let's let's yeah, talk so, about uh, basically Jack. What is what a simple name? Um, <laughs> yeah. 
so Jack, Jack comes home. Jack, yeah, true. Jack <laughs> comes home from the war, uh, the American Civil War, and it's been seven years. First, your math isn't wrong. He's been gone too long, uh, but he was in a prisoner of war camp. So, or so clear, he says. Right. It's clear okay. that he uh, lost a lot of weight. He looks a little different, but everyone's like, eh, "It's got to be Jack." It's just been a while. It's not like we have Facebook where we see his face all the time. So he's just age, yeah. right? uh so then he comes to his wife who immediately accepts him and everything sort of goes back to normal but her our problem that we think is that she has taken a new lover played by bill pullman and so is their normal life where she's moved on uh going to be up ended or is her normal life from before the war going to come back and we think that's the only issue until it becomes very apparent that Jack is not Jack. And yeah, uh, little things it, it's, it's at first get, subtle. And yeah, then it goes, starts picking up and then you're like, oh, something's off about this guy. I think they blew it from the very beginning by having an extra shot at the beginning. Like the, first at the beginning shot. that kind of gave it away and for, didn't even foreshadow everything, kind of explained everything. Yeah. Um, kind of but like uh the way from i explained this to tristan when we brought it up that like the, the uh from the beginning and in the intro so much time had passed that like you got lulled into this, like oh old timey southern right after the civil war you know march home so you kind of like for me, like part of You're me just literally walking from Pennsylvania yeah, or wherever yeah, it was being held. Yeah, but for me, like uh, when I saw it, like I just thought like that was like oh symbolism, like he the war is over, he's going home and he's burying his whatever. Didn't really think much about it. Uh, oh, but okay. like until, yeah. still until the uh, red flags started coming up, you're like, oh wait a minute, okay, something's up about this guy. Yeah, did he murder like, a fella? Do you remember when he was burying someone, Jimmy? Like, yeah, oh. you know what? Yeah. This movie very much reminded me of Passengers from a few years ago. Oh, huh. which is um, on on paper it might sound romantic, some of the things that are happening in this, but then when you think more about it, this was premeditated. He was researching yeah. this guy's life. He knows nuances and details. And yeah, this is a. Uh, you spend four years in the cell plan. with someone. He must have had this plan way in advance to either kill Jack or, or something like that. Yeah. Or at worst, it was his backup plan that he just naturally gained the training for. And he's like, well, I have nowhere else to go. I guess I'll go there. I'm sure she's hot. Right. What else? What else do I have? It's fine. I'll raise some other guys. I have a photograph kid. of her not smiling, so she must be hot. See, I read it as he, he was trying to not only escape his own life, but he was just trying to help the life of the man that he got to know for four years. I don't Do think you think they liked like, each other? I think they liked each other. I don't think he killed him. I think he just, you know. You think See, he it's died. kind of murky because it's, they kind of, died. later on the trial that we have in like the latter half of the movie, it kind of portrays him as a violent man. The real judge. Yeah. There's right. no inclination of that before then. Right. In fact, he's yeah, very he just had a gambling. No, I think what it was is like he had a gambling and drinking problem, and it mm -hmm. could, because uh, that was definitely Aggravate. a thing that he had before the war. So maybe he got more violent after the war on top of his like gambling addictions. It's unclear which yeah. is the issue. Yeah, right. He wasn't entirely a stand-up guy. And the other issue is that Laurel, Jodie Foster's character, uh, accepts him immediately, 
which right. you can kind of see that happening because it's the time period. What would you do if a man came in and said he was your husband and mm -hmm. everyone in town accepts that? And women don't really have rights in 1867. Or so, it's yeah. been a while. These photos are pretty grainy. You <laughs> right. Know. Yeah. Well, she says when she says she fell in love with him later in the film, uh, I knew from the moment I saw you. So. Well, see, that was. What's the point then? Uh, I, um, I feel like the movie could have maybe been a little more complex if they had made the bill pullman character more of a viable second option but right. instead from the very beginning he becomes whiny and petulant when richard gear comes yeah. back and then in order to really make you not like him they they reveal that he's a racist yeah and and a, a white knights of camelot right yeah i think that's the original name not, of the KKK. camelot it's something else but yeah. it's like yeah. you know something. it's but it's the, the grand, kkk yeah the precursor, at least. Right. I felt like if if they had made him more of a, a suitable replacement, then there would have been more of a drama. Right. It felt like he was him clearly an asshole. And he was very much just the only option in town worthwhile. Right. <laughs> yeah. So town's kind of sad. It was going to fail no matter what. Yeah. So. There's a whole lot about land ownership that, um, really feels like this movie's trying to um kind of sugarcoat the situation right after the civil war because right yeah it, i i got a got a bit of a white apologist movie vibe you did it. you did because the the jack character is so amenable to people of all races and all credos all colors yeah right but you and know after he's Frankie done, Faisal's you know, after like, he's can gone. i have can i have a piece of land for myself he's like by god you will why not of course why not why wouldn't you I've it's only like, been okay, fighting then, on the side of the Confederates. Yeah, yeah. is this then, is this what? Jack actually like sort of northern sympathizer? You don't yeah. really know where he's from, <clears throat> right? So yet, <laughs> yet with well, that actually like like it's... years later we well not not gonna well I'm not gonna lie like um we we kind of piece together that this takes place in Tennessee and I know Tennessee like there, there's there's a bit of history that like there was people that were like you know abolitionists in that yeah. state even though it was a sure. slave state and then like uh you know it sounded like he was just, just kind of like a, a vagrant that would pose as uh you know things like a teacher and like swindle people so yeah. like maybe he was just like one of those like he's kind of a yeah whatever <laughs> bad he does bad I'm things a liberal johnny appleseed yeah yeah <laughs> he, he like he, he does bad things but he's not a bad guy more yeah. or less do it it's just Say one possibly He's one, yeah. possibly two guys, good guys in a bad situation. Yes. <laughs> Damn. Do, do the roar. <laughs> got to bring it in somehow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just like they cut to a scene. You're welcome for the all, setup. Everybody, everybody's harmoniously cooperating, plowing the fields. I'm just like, this is such. Yeah. <laughs> such an inaccurate. I think, I think we've been spoiled. Well, they wanted to get a PG-13 rating, so, yeah. you know. I think, right. I think we've also been spoiled with some realistic historical stuff in the last 20 Subsequent. years. Yes. Yeah. And so, at this point in time, in 93, it's just a quaint period piece that happens yeah, to be said uh, at this I, I this definitely got, period. also, there was a, that kind of a, uh, you know, post-war, happy ending uh, counter vibe to uh, Gone with the Wind, I think. 
also mm. i wanted to mention do you feel did you know the original story that this is based off of the french tale that was then made into a film in the i think 70s was it a tale mm. i thought that it was an actual legal case they were supposed right there was supposed to be a real mm. person named martin Gare who came home from the napoleonic wars and he said that he was martin Gare. And this situation happened in on its own in a village in France. And so then the trial came up, like, are you a real person? And it's like, well, I helped this town get back on its feet. So then they were fine with them. Right. Uh, and it's like, who are we really? As long as you're not stealing from them and such. I mean, you stole an identity. Is that? Yeah, but you put you it in a good place use. as well. Yeah, it's 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 like the the moralistic virtue of the man now compared to what he could have been compared to who the person he took was and so i think that's the point and so when you're placing it in the civil war in america <clears throat> it's a little different feeling than napoleon's time right yeah even though it was like about 30 40 years after napoleon. right right so. uh well there's a lot more um i don't know where you'd be able to set this in america if it wasn't the civil war well, getting back to what Jimmy was saying earlier, um, I feel like Richard Gere is very anachronistic and stuff like this. And not only that, his his accent's terrible, but he's very stiff. I think he's one of those actors that, as he's gone on, he's accrued like a gravitas, and mm -hmm. he's a, he's a way better actor now. Like starting with Chicago and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. back then, he was very like lightweight. Yeah, I think he he was bank like he was like he was a very pretty boy uh, well, stage in his life. So like like his, a lot of his performances was yeah. due to the fact that like he probably had that like that uh, that sexy glare that he could pull out of his like you know a little toolbox of like acting. Yeah, to be to be fair yeah, though, it also it also adds to uh, the believability that he was a deserter because he's way too clean to have been involved in yeah also yeah if Richard Gere, everyone else was if richard gear showed up on your doorstep and you're like i hated my husband not that upset <laughs> basically yeah i think that's why they're they're asking the audience to forgive them for just being like yeah he's not a jack who cares right. yeah. um how did you feel about jodie foster i thought she was all right I, I think she's really better. good in most things. In this, she's kind of well because she's playing against a plank of wood. Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't really get much to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um. She. I don't know. She. She's the southern, the southern lady who's who's trying to like basically use this situation to her advantage. Yeah. She knows. She knows. Like as soon as. He comes you back know what? Like what is that. why I yeah. think her performance seemed a little dry is because like she's portraying um, reserved. Yeah, yeah. Her character is reserved, so like I, I think guess she's good because of that. Yeah, she doesn't have much so, agency of her own. Yeah, because mm -hmm. she doesn't seem to like be bad as a character. It just seemed seems a little dry, especially given the pacing of the movie at certain points. It's a lot of psychological... And her reaction tends to be tame a lot of the oh, time. Yeah. Or it's... tamer than it should be. So I guess... Like, once you... Sure, you know, lady... It could like, also be the once time you realize, 
once you realize what's going on, like, you know, that a lot of her performance is more psychological, like she's processing all of this. Like, do I just, you know, kick this guy to the curb and pretend like my husband actually did die? Or do I take this newfound love interest to heart? And then he's also doing all these things for the town, but then he's also on trial for murder. And it's like, there's a lot going on in her head that you can't exactly articulate physically Mm -hmm. until the courtroom scene or whenever she's in, you know, when they meet up in the jail cell or whatever, or whenever that was actually a good scene. Yeah. That's the best. Um, movie. The reason I bring this up, it reminds me that uh, the, one of the writers, Sarah Kronoshin, uh, she had wanted to make a feminist power film, something where Jodie Foster could take the reins of her own situation. That's Mm. what she was quoted as for this script. So it's interesting to have it set in this time period where a lot of women didn't have agency. So it still came across as that she didn't really. She sort of just lets it happen. But I think you're right with what you say, Jeff. When at the trial, she guides everything by just coming clean. She forces everyone's hand and is sort of taking the reins. So I think that's where she gains her agency. Right. Right. But And especially with the other marginalized person in the room who happens to be a judge somehow in Tennessee, who James that? Jones. So Darth Vader himself. I, I love how like right, right before the trial begins, is. like he, he, he has his like a uh, um, uh, revolver ready just in case. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is interesting. I kind of want to see the backstory of his character more than I want to see the rest of the film. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I almost would have preferred maybe if the movie was just a strict courtroom drama. Right. I mean, the best With stuff. Flashbacks, was... maybe. Yeah. Yeah. If you go back and forth, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like, Definitely well, cut out cool. that first shot, but. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Unless you, unless oh, no. the movie wanted you in on that from the beginning, but I don't. Yeah. I felt like it was still supposed to be like a revelation at the end. Yeah. Which... Oh well. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, James Earl Jones was brilliant that whole courtroom scene was the best part of the movie mm-hmm. um yeah and you know the other we got all of the other cameos that we have in this in this film the mm. uh his other lawyer webb was played by someone who later went on to just be like he's like a go-to western character and like mm-hmm. Deadwood, all mm-hmm. this other stuff yeah. Isn't he an old brother, brother. Word, though? Yep. yeah he's yeah. he's um, the guy penelope marries you can't do that to my fiance. So good in that. <laughs> it was also interesting to see Arlie Ermy as a sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. He's and was like enough, wiry. Yeah. And enough, and enough facial hair to make him look like a completely different human being altogether. He should have been a gold prospector in a movie. Yeah. Like yeah. he like did not recognize him. But then when he spoke, I'm like, wait, hold up. Yeah. He knew, Jimmy knew immediately. I was happy about that because I did not know he was going to look so different. Eyebrows give it away uh, too, man. So I'm, yeah, I'm no, happy. but like the thing is like, the eyebrows give it away, it. but like he didn't have that, like you know, that uh, that like you know his like gruff. marine stare. Like it was very lighthearted, and like he just like he's an underrated actor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He got shoehorned. It go, in goes to show how much acting goes in the eyes too, because like the the way he like like it just his face was like yeah, he's too. Mm-mm. That's not Arlie Army. Mm-hmm. It's not. He's not grumpy enough. <laughs> This was he decided to play a nice guy for once. He's like, I'm tired of being a drill sergeant. Yeah. I thought that was cool. He melted into the background that way. It's, yeah. 
I wish he'd had more parts like this. Yeah. But... Yeah. In the 90s, he had a few parts like that. Yeah. He's good in the Frighteners. Frighteners. Uh, Switchback, he's really good. Yeah. yeah. Huh. But, um, uh... I One thing about James Earl Jones, and this isn't really with the movie, I didn't realize he kind of just stopped after this. He did Gabriel's Fire, that TV show, but that was around this time and it was already over even. So he basically coasts on his that's 91 or two. So everything sort of ends around 93. He he sort of coasts on his uh Darth Vader money. He does Broadway a little bit. I got to see him actually back in 2013, I think it was. He was in the best man. But he was also in um Sunset Limited 2014 or 2015 he was in You Can't Take It With You. That too, yeah. He did a bunch of shows on Broadway. That's really what he did. Oh, he's in Fences. Yeah, he did Fences. Um, And I think there was something else with uh, Angela Lansbury. There's one other. Sunrise at Campobello was his big uh, debut. He was a butler of FDRs. And that's why now they renamed the Court Theater after him. Because that was where Sunrise at Campobello was. And that just happened back in December, I believe. Oh, September. Okay. You know, he, I had it. He was uh, James Earl Jones in 2005 was in The Sandlot 2. Uh-huh. I did not know The Sandlot 2 was a thing. Uh-huh. Mm. I've ignored it. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Um, but he was but, good here. I I wanted more of him because he's just being, he's basically a plot device. But, yeah, but, but it, it's interesting though because like, you know, what you guys were saying before, I want to see his, not origin story but like more of his background because like yeah. to I want a Summersby you know, his, his universe, station man. his yeah. station in that yeah just Isaacs it's like a Summersby story yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he uh you know for for someone like him to have that agency uh and that position at that time like I that is fascinating to be like how he got to that point Let's, and then to be in it. that courtroom at that exact moment let's to have that interaction. Prequel. What? Let's do a Summersby prequel. Let's we'll get it. a young young black actor to be the young James Earl Jones. Let's do uh, it. Interesting. Yeah. Let's give away all our best ideas. Oh. Yeah, Anthony <laughs> yeah, you hear that, Hollywood? Yeah. Steal our ideas. I'm sure this will be bankable. It'll go straight to like Plex or something. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> So what uh do we want to wrap it up? What do we all think? Yeah, might as well. <laughs> no. Yeah. I think I would probably give the movie a C. I think on the plausibility scale, it's very specious. And like you said, it's again, we're more enlightened now. We're more frank about the civil war and everything that the sentiments before and after that and during. So yeah. I can't it's hard for me to fault the movie against that, but it does feel dated in that respect. And there's a lot of contrivances with the plot. And also I feel like the suspense is completely eliminated by that first shot, and they don't seem to have much chemistry together. And maybe that's oh. on purpose. I'm guessing. Yeah, but mm. yeah, I'm not. Uh, around this time period, Richard Gere was not really a heavy hitter, in my opinion. Eh. I give this movie a uh, a solid B. It was good. It was enter- entertaining. It was, it was a popcorn flick. I'm gonna agree with Jimmy. Yeah. A, a B. Mm. You know the. The craftsmanship, the cinematography, the score was brilliant. Score the was plot, good. The plot and the acting were a little convoluted. Hmm. Now, this was Danny Elfman. 
Really? Yeah. Hmm. Doesn't have that weird uh, Tim Burton tinkly noise. I was going to say, it shows yeah. how versatile he could be. Yeah. Well, I think he only has that Tim Burton tinkliness when, like, you know, Tim it's Burton like when your best, <laughs> you know, Tim when, when you're in everything. When your friend who knows you one way walks into the room, and you're like, "Oh, I got to start acting like this." Yes. But, no, I yeah. I enjoyed yeah. it. I think I thought I liked it, but the more we talk about it, I realize I'd forgotten some stuff already. Uh, yeah. I can't get the Simpsons episode out of my head. Had you actually all seen that? Do you know what I'm referring to? Probably years ago. The Prince and the Popper came out in episodes? 1998. It's like their ninth season, and it's quoted as being the episode that sort of is where the simpsons jumps the shark uh basically this guy uh played by martin sheen comes into town he's like this big gruff general and he says he's the real seymour skinner oh i've seen that and oh yeah yeah, yeah. it makes more sense and no one seems to remember him everyone's apparently new enough that they missed him going off to the vietnam war i do hate that actually and then they have a trial it's proven that he really is that agnes skinner's like yeah i just accepted this new person as my son because i wanted someone to take care of and he seemed like he needed it and this real version of skinner the one that's that we all knew and loved um, says he'll leave because he, he tricked everyone. And everyone's like, no, you should stay as well. We should have both of you. And then Martin Sheen Skinner is like, no, I kind of feel like you're all assholes. I don't want to live in this town and leaves. And everyone's like, guess it'll all pretty much be like, it's back to normal as if it never happened. And then yeah. it doesn't. And it's never brought up again, except for one. I thought they reference. tricked him to leave. Sort of. Oh, yeah. In the like, end, he, in the he end, ended up getting duped. They like yeah, they had they right. like got they got rid of him because like yeah, they wanted right. to keep their Skinner yeah. and not this. Which Skinner. I think, which is actually worse. Yeah. Um, but they reference it once later when uh, Lisa names her cat Snowball too, and Skinner's like, "Isn't that your first? Uh, isn't that like the sixth cat you've named Snowball too?" And she's like. Are you sure about that? Whatever his real name is. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he's like, touche. And I'm and leaves immediately. Um, Got real meta. Yeah. I couldn't get that out of my head while watching this. So yeah. I think I might have to give it a, a C plus. <laughs> so. Well, that's okay. One of Tristan's favorite movies came out this month to uh, kind of ease the pain of this, which was uh, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. Uh, oh yeah i myself more retain memories of the second movie but tristan could probably enlighten us on the first movie well you you both have seen this as well right jimmy and jeff homeward bound you lad i think yeah, Hell yeah. yeah. okay yeah this Let's is watch it all the time this is what i don't tell people is my favorite movie but i probably saw this as much as jurassic park which is my favorite movie um, yeah. You know, you can have movies that are about as equal, but I watched this a ton as a kid because I love dogs. And so we got the VHS and, and mom and I would pop it in as soon as summer started. We'd watch it a couple times every summer when I was very young, yeah. but the it would always get me. It's, it's a simple film about uh, three pets are left at a kennel and they think they're being given away or in jail. And they're like, we got to get home. we've been we've been trapped we got to escape and they don't realize their humans are just going on vacation and trying to make sure the pets are well taken care of and so they travel what seems like across country but is probably just like 20 miles in california uh so uh but it's two dogs and a cat and they're voiced by um 
Is it Don Amici in the first one? Yeah, Don Amici in the first one. It's Ralph Wade in the second one because in between the two, uh, Don Amici p- passed away. Um, Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox plays Chance, Whoa. the lovable. Um, what kind of dog is he? Um, Pitbull. 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 Thank you. I blinked on the word. And then uh, yeah, Sassy, no, no. Sassy the Cat's voiced by Sally Fields. So that was my actual introduction to all three of those actors. <laughs> um, but the their owner is the guy who's in um, Airplane. Uh, Robert Hayes. Robert Hayes, yeah. And then he has, I don't know the actors, but they're like a generic family. They're all fun. They have, they have three kids. Each of them are the pet's owners. Like the oldest kid is the is Shadow's Yeah. It- Person. It's real neat that each kid got their own pet. Yeah, like, and like the messy that, young that, that family's got some money. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. Um, they could have put their pets in a better kennel. Um, could have, or just or just had like the neighbor check in on the pets. Like, it's not yeah. that big of a deal. But very goofy film um, because they're appealing to kids. But um, if you look past the goofiness of Chance, Michael J. Fox's dog, um, there's the heartfelt warmth of uh when your pet is getting a little old and shadow uh almost doesn't make it uh so that oh that yeah was, that, was, that was almost blows up the tears uh i know it's a simple film but i loved it as a kid so the nostalgia trumps like everything else for me you're a simple film. this is one of the first yeah, no. movies where they tried to um overlay a human's voice over a uh, animal because in milo it wasn't noticed, moving in milo noticed they're narrating yeah but this, they're like speaking almost telepathically to one another. That's basically it. Yeah, this is one of the first movies to do that, right? I feel like. Mm. Yeah, and and they'll have like reaction shots, like Chance's sassy. He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, sassy." Yeah, and stuff like that. The stuff animal like trainer that. probably should have got like some sort of special award, right, for the performances because it's got to be difficult to do that. It's definitely tricks you do with like food. You put the food up above, and they'll do something. Yeah, that that is that reaction. You move your hand this way and there's definitely training that goes in yeah there, so right yeah. if you get the camera angles just right you could have the trainer just perfectly off, off like off screen giving the dog the right command to do the right maneuver yeah now you could see probably Jason. a lot of coordination involved especially when they're doing a lot of it outdoors like don't want you running off yeah <laughs> i'm sure it's contained like it's I mean, like, they, it's like there's, a, there's an intern every 50 yards yeah. just to make sure the dogs don't get away the it's one like the dogs about, they ran off yeah. one intern in the tree to make sure that if the cat gets up there like they could get it down sure it's like your job is to stay up I there think, in the tree and also you're the boom operator i think the worry is more for the second one because they're in san francisco so that's a little uh yeah. More dangerous for the pets with cars and so other vehicles. Was this movie like a big hit or was it kind of a modest hit that did well on home video? I think it did fine. It came out in third place, but I think it had a preview week the week before. So the the number one week for it doesn't really lend it to be a hit. And it oh, ended yeah, yeah. up making 41. That's not that great. Yeah, but adjusted, that's probably like about 80 something. Yeah, that's a, a modest hit in February. And the budget's probably very small. Something yeah. for families. So I don't I don't think the uh, golden retriever was asking for a lot of payday yeah. this one. Yeah. Um wouldn't come out of his trailer. Yeah. Speaking of debuts, somebody a filmmaker from New Zealand had a huge debut this month made its way overseas called dead alive ah. 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 
uh, which is uh, Peter Jackson's. I, I think this is he's made other movies in New Zealand, but I think this was the one that broke into the U.S. Yeah, Meet the Feebles is before this, right? Meet the Feebles before this. Bad Taste is before this. Yeah, but um, this was <clears throat> this is like his calling card, and it's very uh, Sam Raimi esque. Mm. Um, honestly, to me, I, I think the movie's a little too grotesque and disgusting. Mm. Mm. But uh, I know it's beloved by genre fans. It's basically his take on like a um a virus a zombie film. Um, but the the special effects are very gruesome. Uh, there's a it's a it's a horror comedy which he was doing a lot of back then, and we just talked about the Frighteners not too long ago, which was probably the last one he did. Mm. Um, I kind of wish he would go back to something smaller scale like that because he's doing all these huge um projects now so this almost seems like as tristan said quaint compared to everything he does now but uh i know has anybody else seen the film i think this is the one i've seen i think the only other one he had before this was meet the feebles this is brain dead it was called brain dead in new zealand yeah yeah it's got two titles this is fine if i remember but the fact that i couldn't remember if this is the one i was i had mm. seen tells you enough right yeah then we then uh we go to the movie that we just celebrated the holiday not too long ago groundhog day the movie that split up harold ramus and bill murray for a little bit because they had a falling out of set, which is weird because knowing the production woes of the movie it's a timeless classic it's a great film it doesn't translate on screen that they were having difficulties behind the camera but right i found so many films that are huge hits like that end up you find out there's some sort of there's either it went perfectly or it's a miracle this movie happened right so um this is obviously the latter but uh you all know i love this genre that that you like the time loop stuff oh yeah and this uh, this is the uh the forefather of all that yeah I'm surprised there was never anything like this before that. I'm sure it was in sci-fi novels, but maybe there had to have been like Twilight Zone episode on it. There is, um, (laughs) but nothing this big, right? Nothing this succinct, so well done. Also, probably nothing that balanced comedy and drama so well. That's right. Yeah, I think Andy McDowell's just adorable in this movie. Hmm. Like, I, I can understand why Bill Murray fell in love with her throughout the course of the film. And also, the movie doesn't shy away from some of the darker aspects. Like, um, mm-hmm. for instance, uh, there's a, uh, a homeless man in the film. And uh, there's a montage of him feeding him, trying to get him back up on his feet. But he dies every time. So there's yeah. like this shadow of inevitability. No matter what he does, that's still going to be the result. Right. It's so a specific. Yeah. I don't want to say it's nihilistic, but it's fatalistic in that. Yeah, yeah like sure. so it, I think part of it like, goes into part of his journey that like you don't have control of everything. You're not God. You're gonna yeah. have to like let things go and accept yeah. things for what they are. Because like in a way, like looping around like that, like in a way, you feel like you are God because like you can like you could do whatever you want and get away. He even with, says that get away with it. Mm-hmm. But then like you can't save somebody. Right. But then, like, maybe, like, the best thing that you can do is to change yourself to be a better person and you make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, he has, he becomes basically... So, so like yeah, and, and sort of, like, uh, so saying, like, 
with the bum like yeah sure it's fatalistic that like you can't save somebody but like you could still do some good so, like, when can't save everybody to, but you can save yeah. somebody mm-hmm. right exactly um yeah. this uh this is definitely one of my favorites i i have a list of course i do uh of all my favorite movies so i don't know if this is in my top 10 but i was going to reorder everything and see where things land now and this might end up in my top 10 so 93 is a, a year that has at least four films that are probably in my top 10 so yeah. uh we'll get to those a little later one's in uh june one's in december so mm. but february has two of them so isn't that crazy yeah um also a movie that probably we'll gloss over this pretty fast um there's a movie called the temp that came out which tom holland the writer of uh child's play and um fright night wrote which on which on the surface sounds like kind of a like an erotic pop boiler but mm. it's it's timothy hutton's character gets this new secretary played by uh larry flynn boyle and she starts making machinations to move up the corporate ladder and you think he's going to do all the stupid things that some of these male protagonists do in these other movies, but he doesn't. It's actually, the movie's <laughs> actually a lot more shrewd. Hmm. I, was, I was surprised. It was actually surprisingly good. Mm. Hmm. Okay. See, there there could That's have been an underrated gem. What, what do you know? Go. Who yeah, you knew? Never, you, you never know. know. You can't know 12 months in advance sometimes. So. Right. We do our um, best. The... Uh, the third part of the Evil Dead trilogy came out this month, which was originally called Medieval Dead, but then was retitled by Dino De Laurentiis, The Army of Darkness, which is a worse title in oh. my opinion, because you have no idea. Mm. Which yeah, is probably I... why the movie tanked. Um, I've seen two versions of the film. I've seen the theatrical cut, and I've seen the director's cut. In my opinion, the director's cut is better because... I always thought the theatrical leaned way too much into the screwball comedy because these movies go through an evolution. Like the first one's a strictly, almost strictly horror. The second one's got a nice balance of the two, comedy and horror. And then the third one was just outright slapstick. I think the director's cut, especially with the alternative ending, has a doesn't lean too far into the Three Stooges pratfalls and mm. stuff like that. Um, okay, but I've uh, only seen the first Evil Dead, so. Well, you'll you'll see if you if you watch the other ones and especially the TV show, at least the first season, you'll see like the evolution of the Ash character, which sure. is why with this upcoming um reboot, whatever you want to call it, I feel like they're really straying away from anything resembling Evil Dead, other than the Deadites and the the Necronomicon. Mm. This it could have been any generic possession movie. That. The linchpin is Bruce Campbell. You can't make one of these movies without Bruce Campbell. It's pointless. Yeah. Um, I remember loving all three of them. Oh, there you college. go. See? But... And the first season of uh, Astro's Evil Dead is fantastic. Nice. Um, then uh, Joel Schumacher, who passed away not too long ago, made one of his best movies, in my opinion. I think it's in most people's opinion, falling down. Oh, right. Which has got a fantastic performance by uh, Michael Douglas. And actually, I know people use this term a lot, but it might be more relevant today than it was back then. Because uh, he plays a, um, <clears throat> he plays like a, a worker drone 
who's just kind of fed up with everyday annoyances. I, he's uh, he's cut off in traffic. At one point, he goes to get breakfast at a fast food restaurant. They tell him to cut off. It it it's almost a it's a social satire at the same time as being like a, a thriller. And um, Michael Douglas is fantastic in the movie. Mm-hmm. It even has a it even has that cliche of the cop with his last day on the job. Oh boy, Robert Duvall. But because it's Robert Duvall, he adds dimension to it. Ooh, I didn't know Robert Duvall was in it. Oh yeah, um, I think is what I think Joel Schumacher was really good with these blue collar uh, thrillers, which I <laughs> wish he did more of between this and like Eight Millimeter. Well, he kind of got sucked up into the Hollywood system with like those Batman sequels and stuff like that. But he probably wanted to do both. <clears throat> he does balance both. He, he's he's the definition of like a work for hire director because he'll do a one for them, one for me thing. Because he'll put out like Phone Booth, which was surprisingly pretty good, but then he'll do Veronica Guerin within like the same time period. Mm. But uh, this is definitely, in my opinion, one of his better movies. I got to uh, see it now. I, I keep putting it off. If you like Michael Douglas, you'll love it. Yeah. I like Duval too. So there's another reason for me to check it out finally. So uh, that brings us to Poster Boy. Mm. Ooh, look at this. Very excited about this, Jeff. Oh, boy. So the first one, I apologize. I think you know this film. Mm. So we'll see if you... Uh, we'll find out. We'll see how big a fan it. you are. Yeah. I left the, the title in, or the uh, the the uh, quote in, because I, I figured you'd know this right off the bat. I, I this, No, you can continue. This, this was in your uh, top five for 92. Exactly. So... Uh... So you know what this is. I, I do know what this is, but I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna play the game anyway. Okay. So, okay. Cool. <clears throat> all right. So the poster is you're on a long country road, and there's a dude walking down the road, right down the middle, down the yellow line, with a guitar case in one hand and a gun in the other, and there's a turtle crossing the road. Which if I recall correctly the turtle plays a bit of an important part oh okay um, i don't remember so the reason maybe i might not I be recalling this was because when we went through the films for 93 we noticed that this was actually in february we think that it was in 92 <coughs> for festivals so yeah, we're wondering if maybe probably, you yeah. saw that and thought it was a 92 film that probably was what it was because i was looking up like what movies came out in 92 and then i'm yeah. like oh i remember that one so um, twice, twice you had films. You hadn't, I thought you hadn't seen it, so we were gonna call you out, but no, obviously no, you know the film better than I do. I've I've never seen it, so I mean, kind of, because I I only watched it after I read the director's book. Um, but fine. yeah, so you don't you don't see the you don't see the top half of the person walking down the road, but the tagline with a guitar in his hand and a price on his head. He wasn't looking for trouble, but trouble came looking for him. The remarkable debut film from director Robert Rodriguez, because this is El Mariachi. Nice. Yeah. For some reason, when I went to edit it, it made the tagline blurry, so I apologize. Is, it, is no this worries. your favorite of the three, Jeff? No, because I can't remember which like which, which other two movies. It's it's Desperado, Desperado and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Yeah. I remember Once Upon a Time in Mexico. I don't think I saw Desperado. Oh, that's funny. That's the most popular one. Yeah, I love that one. 
you you proved me wrong lulling me into a small sense of uh, a false sense of security i'm gonna give you a a couple of points for that since you actually did see el mariachi uh so this is our actual uh february 93 film (laughs) oh boy yeah jesus christ (laughs) okay so it's a white poster with two presumably cops white guy and a black guy looking back at the camera while aiming revolvers at a uh, shooting gallery target who is covering both their head and genital area. Clearly a comedy. These two... Not as a kitchen sink drama. Gentlemen of ill repute don't know what they're doing. It's kind of like a precursor to the other guys. I'm going to guess these actors... I think the guy on the left is Charlie Sheen. Ooh. Or Christian (laughs) Slater. (laughs) Judging Ooh. by the hair, so I think close. guy on guy on the I right. Think it's half a point. Is, right? Guy on the right, I can't remember his name, but it's gonna. Uh, no, not Danny Glover, is it? Well, what no. do you think this is parodying? Uh, I feel like this is probably parodying parodying. Um, well, no, because Naked Gun is spy movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is probably a Miami Vice ripoff. Mm, you went a little yeah too off too far okay, you kind of had <laughs> half of the people in a way yeah you need you need uh, to be a little more legal like a, with is, your decision making is it a rush uh, hour Jimmy, thing? you know what this is i'm guessing maybe Jimmy, hey, Jimmy, Jimmy what'd you what'd you say what was your <laughs> no, no. no nothing nothing you need to weaponize your brain man oh, oh he does what uh, geniuses i don't know okay i'm gonna give you a tagline because you got some okay. interesting comments Oh my God! They have guns. <laughs> what a stupid tagline! <laughs> there is an okay one at the bottom. The jet, little... the cleanup crew. <laughs> you want you want to tell them what this is kind of influenced by? See it before they make the sequel. Yeah, <laughs> it says on the bottom. Oh boy, that gives you a couple of clues for what the title is, but you, it does. You sort of this police academy. It. No, no, you sort of hinted at this from uh, mentioning Danny Glover. That's not oh, Danny Glover, yeah. but he's playing a caricature of Danny Glover. Right. Okay. So from Lethal Weapon. From Lethal Weapon. Right. Right. Uh, so what would you name a, a Naked Gun esque parody of Lethal Weapon? Bullet holes. Bullet holes. Okay. Do we let Jimmy do the title? Because he's yeah, it's, uh, it's after the people. Uh, so yeah. Not really a comedic actor. That's I think your guy's problem. Uh, he can be. He tries to be comedic, but he's never outright a funny person. He can be funny in films. I've seen him in comedies. Yeah. yeah. Have I missed them? Apparently. Maybe I'm just forgetting him. But you were very close, Jeff, on the left person. You are so close. Wait, wait, like, wait, 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 wait. Almost, almost like by it's not, blood. It's not Samuel L. Jackson, is it? Hey. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, then uh, I don't know this movie. And so, if you thought that was Charlie Sheen, who could you get for like discount Charlie Sheen? Hey, hey, hey! I know. His brother? Uh, no, oh. It's, it's, oh no! It's Emilio it's Estevez bro- and Samuel Jackson. Oh my God! Oh no! <laughs> yes. uh, uh, I don't. I don't know this movie at all. Do you oh, want to wow. guess, Jimmy? No? Like, do you want? Do you want to try a title? <laughs> I actually like uh, bullet holes. That's fine. It's probably better than this. Straight, straight bullets. Stupid straight title. bullets. I think would have been. 
Yeah, stray bullets. That's fine. Yeah. Still sounds like a better title. Yeah. What would what would you call it, Jimmy? We never Deadly had you. Force. Armed yeah. and dangerous. An actual movie. So it's it's so much simpler than that. Cops. It's just National Lampoons. Oh God. Which they just slap that title on anything. Man. Loaded weapon. Loaded weapon. <laughs> uh, weapon one. That's why they do the seat before the sequel. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a. Uh... This looks funny on paper. Ooh, it's not. <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah. Uh, it, you know what's funny? It's like the scattergun effect of comedy. Like we'll do jokes in the in the foreground, in the background. Every line will be a joke, and the ratio of hits to misses is like maybe one out of every hundred jokes hit. It's Oof. terrible. There's a reason we haven't heard of this. Yeah, it's there's a reason this thing fell into obscurity. It's also not a um, it's not a Zucker Brothers movie, which they always know how to space out the jokes or make them more elaborate, and at least make the punchlines not too predictable. Back then, at least. Which is it's funny they that you said you thought that was Charlie Sheen because Charlie Sheen has a cameo in this as a valet and he's giving nothing funny to say. Um, the parody special. Shame because Emilio Estes is a funny guy. You don't think so, Mighty Ducks, man? No, I think he's good. I like him a lot. I just knew this was a bad film, so I, I was making a joke about him being discount. I'm actually really upset because he he's in Mission Impossible and then just disappears. Essentially, he makes Bobby as a director and then he has that walk movie he directed that too right so uh i had put this to you guys in our notes but we never actually discussed who we would want to do for uh, picks of the month i can't remember but i don't think we did picks for richard gear when we did pretty woman back in 1990 so we could do we richard had three Gere. movies that month Right, I think we did Sean Connery because Hunt for Red October was at that time. We could have done comic book movie. I keep, I keep forgetting to look back at the March 1990 episode. So uh, we could do Richard Gere. We could go with Jodie Foster. Or I actually think it would be fun to go with Bill Pullman. I looked at their Ooh. filmographies. And Let's I go with Bill Pullman because he, he, he kind of like he got the villain role, but like, you know. Yeah, I got to pull up his filmography again. Yeah, I wasn't cool. sure I, you guys would go. I got two choices. Uh-huh. And I'm going to pick the uh, other one. Uh-huh. I got it. He doesn't have to be the lead, right? Because he wasn't the lead in a lot of this stuff. No, especially his his debut is amazing. Ruthless People. You know what? Ruthless People. Oh. Directed by, I think, it was directed by uh, the Zucker Brothers. Oh, I didn't he's, know that. He's fantastic at playing an idiot. <laughs> yeah. He's fin- he's phenomenal in that. Uh, a wonderful debut. Yes, he had actually been and this gives me the opportunity to bring this up he had been uh a stage actor a little bit and then he ended up teaching in montana state university and he was just kind of quote floundering and he would do like local theater stuff and his students insisted you got to try out for something like find a film in new york again and just audition and he got ruthless people and so thanks to his students he was like a 28 year old so he got his chance and he made it. Yeah, because Raph Daddy did Spaceballs. Mm-hmm. So there oh, you go. Reach for your dreams. Uh, Bill Pullman. I, yeah. Um, I'm going to go. Oh, do you want to go? go no, ahead. no, no. You can go because okay. I think you and I are going to choose similar choose ones. Same. Okay. It's going to come down to me and Jimmy picking the same damn movies. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that's why I said I'm going to go last. I'm going to oh, go yeah. while you were sleeping. Which is yeah. maybe oh. my favorite romantic comedy. It's either that or Notting Hill. 
Let's move on. He's charming in that. He's he's a delight. <laughs> well, well, I could be it. charming. I could he's be the delight. brother, right? Yeah, but yeah, he's. I think his name is Jack in that. Actually, uh, what a generic. <laughs> I know. Okay. Uh, but basically, Peter Gallagher falls asleep. He he goes into a coma trying to save. He someone's being mugged on the. What a heartwarming tale for romantic yeah, comedy. I know. So he's get he's saving a, a woman from getting mugged. He gets knocked onto the train track. Sandra Bullock, a a token attendant on the L, by the way. So this places it squarely in '95. Um jumps onto the tracks and saves him but he's in a coma and so she hmm. being a creepy person uh again how's this a romantic comedy ends up uh lying and saying that she is his fiance because the family is just like oh you must be his fiance we haven't met her yet it's kind of like overboard in a way so like summers be <laughs> hey look at that and guess who Full she falls circ- in love with she falls in love with that guy's brother, played by Bill Pullman. So, if only Summersby had a brother, right? Yeah. It'd be a good that film. we know of. Yeah. So, what do you think of Jeff? All right. Other than Independence Day, because that's an obvious one. There, I'm not, in my brain. There's tied two. Mm. Spaceballs. Mm-hmm. And Casper. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is a good choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? So, what do you think? What are you thinking then? That could looks like space. I think if we're going, if we're going toward like the lesser known ones, Casper, lesser lesser appreciated performances. I mean, nice. And maybe because I was nostalgic because I saw it when I was a kid. I that was the first movie I remember uh, being super impatient about why isn't this out on video yet. Mm. Mm. that's back when they would wait nine months well yeah i'm gonna be anticlimactic called anticlimactic and go with like the obvious choices of and i'm gonna be greedy about this both independence day and uh space balls i loved them both and well, like i, I can't, loved them in both of them i can't fit it on the graphic so i'm gonna pick give one. you space balls because it's shorter like, what <laughs> what, what, what? Yeah, you're right. I also, which one do you like more? Because I I like space. Well, if, it, if, it, if it's if it's straight Bill Pullman performance, Spaceballs, because there's more of him in that. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whereas Independence Day, I'll say is a better movie because like it's a it's a serious sci-fi, and I like serious sci-fi. I think he's though, my like, favorite part of Independence Day. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he had a great run right in the mid '90s. So right after this, he does Sleepless in Seattle as the um oblivious fiance of meg ryan as she's falling in love with a voice across the country uh and then he he hits it out of the park with while you're sleeping and then he does uh independence day so it's weird that he had that like jump right off the bat with with uh space balls and he's in a lot of love triangles ruthless people but then comes back with the mid 90s so yeah he's in a lot of love triangles there's a lot of good things then he kind of slips away at the end of the 90s you know one good thing that's underrated um have you ever seen igby goes down great movie that's that's an underrated gem that i'd recommend that would have been and it it actually defines something that i had not ever thought about for myself but bill pullman's character has seasonal affective disorder is that how it is yeah and so i was like oh that's why i'm sad every winter i'm bill pullman and igby goes down 
Okay. He's got more than uh, that movie. He does. He does. But every every <laughs> winter, I think of Bill Pullman because Igby goes down. I'm like, oh. All right. Well, we had four good choices, I think. So, yeah. So, very um, proud of us. Yeah. Next month, since we talked about Bill, Bill Murray has two movies back to back. Yep. Yeah. Groundhog Day this month. And then next month, there's a bit of a role reversal where he's in. You can't really see that. Yeah, your background's taking it away. Oh, damn it. Man's <laughs> all in glory, where uh, the roles are reversed. He's a gangster, and um, Robert De Niro's the mild-mannered police detective. Yeah, good film. Corey insisted on showing this to me in college, so it's a it's a good connective tissue between the two of us. Uh, and I haven't seen it since then, so I, I hope... I don't think you two have seen it before, right? No, so this, mm. I think this is a good a good hidden gem for for us to talk about. So I'm very excited about uh, bringing this up, especially because it's our patron saint, Bill Murray. Yeah, we've talked about him quite a bit. Yeah, at least at least for the first four years. So we, after this, we probably won't be talking about him much more. Yeah, there's a bad film he does a little later that's actually directed by Summers B's director, John Emile. Yes, uh, the man who knew too little, which itself is a parody of the man who knew too much in other spy films and not a good one new so so to bring it full circle it happens yeah so yeah we'll uh we'll check you out next month for a little more serious uh film but it's well a little more serious this film serious this film's a joke is why i i said that i guess uh anyway we'll uh catch you next month you guys believe that it's the real me never did wow